Good morning, everyone. If you have your Bibles, uh, Psalms 105, 17, and 19, that's going to be the framework for our, our message today. And as you just heard, we uh, launched a brand new series last week called Made for Greatness. And the whole premise of this series is to help us see that God has hardwired greatness into all of our lives. And we serve a great God. And if he's deposited some greatness into our hearts, we want to make sure that we do all that we can to tap into the God-given potential and greatness in all of our lives. And so we've been uh, journeying for the next few weeks uh, through the life of Joseph, not New Testament, uh, Joseph, Mary and Joseph, parents of Jesus. But we're talking about old school, Old Testament Joseph, uh, you know, Joseph with the Gucci coat, Joseph. That's the Joseph that we're going to unpack for the next uh, couple weeks. And so to give you a framework, last week we talked about how God gives us all dreams and how when we receive a dream from God, these dreams or the vision that he has for our lives will always get opposed. And so this week we're going to continue with this same framework, uh, looking at really what God wants to do in and through our lives through the next scene in Joseph's life. So Psalms 105.17 to 19 is a psalm that unpacks the journey of Israel, God's chosen people. And they're kind of really uh, remembering their heritage, what God did throughout different seasons of their lives and going to uh, different highlights of their journey in faith. And they come to a point in this psalm that addresses the life, life of Joseph. And here's what it says in Psalms 105:17. It says, then God, or then he, referencing God, sent someone to Egypt ahead of them Joseph, who was sold as a slave. We talked about last week how he was sold as a slave, but this verse tells us that God sent him. So how in the natural he was sold as a slave, but God used that selling as a slave for him to send him where he needed him to be in Egypt. So I love that, how sometimes we feel like we're in a certain situation, but God is using that to send us into the destiny that he has for us. Verse 18 says this, They bruised his feet with fetters and placed his neck in an iron collar. Verse 19, Until... The time came to fulfill his dreams. The Lord tested. Say tested. The Lord tested Joseph's character. The Lord tested Joseph's character. And so we're going to look at how God wants to develop our character in our lives. And so today I want to preach a message from the premise, character under construction. Character under construction. Uh, let's pray and allow God to speak to our hearts this morning. God, we thank you so much for who we are. Lord, we thank you for your word. Your word is truth. Lord, I pray that you would speak in a real, tangible way. God, we know one word from you can really change and alter our destiny. Uh, and so we pray that you would bring a real rhema word to our hearts today. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart that is soft, open, and receptive for everything that you want to do in our lives. We thank you for who you are. We're going to leave here better than we came. In your beautiful name we pray. Amen and amen. Character under construction. Anybody ever did uh, renovations to their house? Any hands in the house? Renovations. Uh, you know, how many of us know that renovations are fun when you get the outcome, but how many of us know when you're going through renovations, it's not the most pleasant experience, especially if you have to live in the house while your house is being what? Renovated. How many of us know that? That's a, a very difficult situation. So renovations is good because we like the outcome of what the re renovation produces, but we don't like the process of having your home be renovated. Uh, a couple years ago, we did a renovation to this building. We literally built out the entire kids wing of this church, and that took a process of about three months. And so for three months, the whole kids team had to relocate. We were um, using stepping stones in that season. 
uh, to use their facility, but for three months, uh, parents and serve teams had to endure the heat of being outside, the, the, just the frustrations of what it takes to get a place built out. And so for us, I was on the communications team, and we were trying to think of a way to really encourage people, to give them vision that something good is happening even though you're in an, in an unpleasant situation. And so our team came up with this uh, banner that we felt like was going to give hope to each and every one of you to endure the temporary uh, misfortunes of what renovations bring. And so here's what we came up with. Something awesome is in the works. So pardon our dust. Thank you for your patience as we renovate. And if we had a rendering of what the kids' area was going to look like, we were going to put that on the banner. But we couldn't afford that, and so we just had to lead with vision. Something's good, something good is happening right now. You're going to have to temporarily endure some unpleasant renovations, but be patient because something awesome is in the midst. And I, I thought about that and how that relates to just the life of Joseph, how God gave him, last week we talked about the dream or his preferred future for the life of Joseph. And as soon as God gives him the dream, here's what happens. Renovation starts to take place. We see that character starts to uh, be developed in the life of David. Uh, not David, Joseph. Wrong, wrong person. Uh, and so God was developing Joseph's character for the dream. But I thought, man, if a banner can give people hope for a physical place, how many of us would like to have a banner on your life to let people know that your life is currently under construction? To let them know, I'm not a finished product yet. I need to let you know that I'm in process to being who God wants me to be. So I came up with a couple banners that I wish I could wear or you could wear. I might sell this for extra side cash on the side, but here's the first sign. I am currently under construction. We're going to lead with apologies on the front end. Sorry for the inconvenience cause. How many of us would like to already, before you interact with people, just let them know, I'm sorry. I might do something to offend you. I'm letting you know in advance I'm a work in process. How many of us would like to let people know that before you come into a relationship with them? Here's the next sign I thought would be awesome. Uh, New person coming soon. I'm not there yet. You know, I'm in works, but I'm giving you a vision that, you know, something good is happening. So be patient. Be patient with me while I under, endure some construction. And my favorite one is this, the last one. Uh, please excuse the mess while I remodel to serve you better. Like, this is for your benefit. How many of us would buy signs like this that you can wear on your life so that people will know that, hey, I'm a work in process, a progress. How many of us, if we saw the signs on people's lives, will be more gracious with people, realizing that we're in process and they're in process as well? How many of us know that our entire culture and society would probably be a little bit more gracious if we all had this in our mind? Everybody is a work in progress. So I'm going to give you the same grace that I would like to receive from you because what? We haven't made it yet. And that's exactly what God started to do in the life of Joseph. The dream was great. People bowing down to him. But the process of development, how many of us know that that's not pleasant? You ever had God work in an area in your life and you're just like, the Lord is just working on me. It's so great. I love it. This is so fun. No, when God starts to work on our character and he's always going to be working on our character, how many of us know that that's an unpleasant process, but it is a process that is needed so that we can be the men and women that God has destined us to be? 
So I want to give us a, a definition of what character is because character is always under construction. God wants to work in our character because our character reflects who he is, especially if we proclaim to have faith. And here's the definition. Character is the will to do what is right as defined by God regardless of personal costs. So that's what God wants to develop in us, in obedience to do whatever it takes to do the right thing as defined by him regardless of what it takes us to do. And so we're going to unpack four thoughts from the life of Joseph on how God will develop our character so that we can uh, be the people that he wants for the dream that he has for us. Here's the first point. Character is developed as we are faithful with what we are given. As we are faithful with what we are given. Joseph in Genesis 39 Here's the story. It says this, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. So last week we talked about he was sold into, sold into slavery. And so now he's in this season of being a slave, but God was still working in his life. Verse 3 says this, when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, uh, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his whole household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the house of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on Potiphar because the blessing of the Lord was on Joseph. So Joseph uh, was being a benefit to Potiphar. Verse 6 says this, so Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now think about this. He's in a season of being a slave, and he could have been bitter at God, bitter at his brothers about what they did to put him in this situation. But he instead decided to be faithful using serving as a means to continue to trust God and honor him with his life. When life handed him lemons, how many of us know Joseph decided to make some lemonade with that? And he had all the reasons not to. How many of us know if you're in a difficult season, you have every reason not to be faithful. But the one reason that we have is that God is a faithful God and we want to be a faithful steward in whatever season that we're in. And a lot of character development happens as we are faithful with what we're given. Here's what I love about this part in the story. Potiphar was a person who worshipped uh, Egyptian idols. Like he basically was worshipping false gods. But he was still able to see that the hand of the Lord was on Joseph. So we can pull out from that idea is that Joseph not only had a good work ethic, but he also uh, didn't back down to talk about how faithful his God was. Even in a difficult season, he still spoke highly about God and that is what we're going to learn today. So two things that we saw here, we see here, we need to both show our faith and share our faith. In whatever season that you're in, you need to show your faith and also share our faith. And these, these two points go hand in hand. And how many of us know we can't just have a faith on a Sunday, but our faith on Sunday needs to continue to Monday at work. How many of us know it's easy to worship? He won't fail. We can sing that in here. Can we live on Monday? <laughs> With that same type of faith to trust God at work. Now, it, Potiphar was an unrighteous boss. And some of us here, we go to work and we serve, you know, bosses that don't have faith. But how many of us know the way that we work at work 
can be a good reflection to the God that we serve. That we need a faith that continues on Sunday through Monday. And there's some practical things that we can do at work that will glorify God in the small things. I want to share with us five things that can help us to have faith at work on Monday. When you don't feel like it, when you're in a toxic environment, here's some things that we can practically do that will bring glory to God at our work. Here's the first thing, punctuality. Come on, somebody. How many of us know showing up on time for work brings glory to God? Showing up on time for work, for meetings and assignments, being prepared with the task that's been given to you, and not just being physically present, but mentally and emotionally present. How many of us know sometimes you need like an hour to warm up to get to work? I can't work until I get my coffee, you know? So we're spending the whole first hour just trying to warm up to get to work. That doesn't bring glory to God. We need to be ready at work. That gives uh, people and shows them that you are a good steward of where you're at. And so some of us, we need to show up on time to work. Can I get an amen? And even to church as well. But that's a side issue. Okay. Number two, punctuality. Here's the, the second point. Likeability. We need to be friendly. People got to like us at work. Showing up is good. But how many of us know if you show up with a bad attitude and nobody likes you, how many of us know that's not a good witness to God? We need to be likable at work. We need to be friendly. We need to be engaging in conversations with people. And we need to be able to connect with a variety of different people. So we need to be likable. Third thing is this. We need to have reliability. We need to be dependable with the work that has been given to us. We need to not only say promises, but we got to follow through on the promises that we made at work. How many of us know that that brings glory to God when we follow through with the things that we say. I'm, I feel like I'm stepping on a lot of people's toes right now, but it's good. Let this digest into your heart today because we want to be a good reflection of God at our workplace. How many of us know the most reliable people go above and beyond what's expected of them? So here's my question to you. When you go to work, do you do the bare minimum or you do, do you go above and beyond? The Bible says this, we don't serve our bosses, but we ultimately do the work for him. He's the God that we're serving at our work. So can we go above and beyond for God, even though we're serving some unrighteous bosses in our lives? Can we do that? We need to be reliable. Fourth thing is this. We need to have integrity, being honest with what we say and do, doing the right thing regardless if everyone else is doing wrong. So if everyone else is clocking seven hours and putting a whole full eight hours are we going to do the same thing because everybody else is doing it? So they're putting in eight, but they only work seven. Do we do that or do we, are we honest? We need to practice in secret the values and beliefs that we claim to hold in public. We cannot compartmentalize our lives. So we've got to have integrity at work. And last thing is this. We need to, be, we need to have teachability, being willing to learn and to improve. Don't act like you know everything. And if you make a mistake, own up to it apologize, and use that as an opportunity to be better. Joseph did all of these things, and that's why Potiphar was able to entrust him with more. And many times I think people are wanting promotions and this and that, and we want the world, but we're not faithful with what we're given. Faithfulness leads to fruitfulness in our lives, and so we can be this if we live this out practically in our lives. And so, you know, we want to share about our faith, but if we're not living in a way of showing our faith, people are not going to want to listen to anything that we have to say. Sometimes we want to share all about Jesus, and people are like, you serve that Jesus, and you're showing up 20 minutes late all the time. I don't know about that Jesus. 
So for us, if we want to have a good witness at work, it requires us to honor God in the simple things of life. Luke 16 says this, if you are faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater uh, uh, responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, money, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be entrusted or why should you be trusted with things of your own? So if we're not faithful in the small things, we won't be faithful in significant ones. So faithfulness begins small. And God works in our character. Every person who is on this stage who preaches a message had a season of their life where we did operations. Now, operations is not the fun things. It's like the behind-the-scenes stuff. People want to be on stage and preach, all right? You want to preach? Let's give you a season of doing behind-the-scenes stuff. And for, my, for me, my season was two and a half, three years of uh, leading a team that did early morning setup at LCC. And I was in charge of doing that. And you know what time we needed to set up? 4.30 in the morning. You know what that meant? I needed to, on Saturday night, be sleeping by 10 so I have enough hours rested so that I can lead the team uh, the next day. And the team was, like, really small because who likes to wake up at 4.30 in the morning? So on some days, it was just me and this other guy setting up the entire church. And how many of us know that character will come out if there is bad situations that happen. And so on these situations, I had a lot of complaining to God. God, this whole church, nobody like serve. You know, we want to do this and this and this. And God needed to work on my character to what? Be faithful in the small things. Maybe you're right now in a season where God is working out faithfulness in your life. How you can get through this season is by trusting him in the small areas. And when bad attitudes start to come up, you know what we do? We repent, ask God to forgive us so that we can allow him to work on our character because faithfulness leads to fruitfulness. Next point is this. God allows testing to reveal the quality of our character. Genesis 39, 6-9 says this. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome like Pastor Billy. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Hey, you. How you doing? Come to bed with me. But he refused with me in charge, he told her. My master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then, here's the kicker, could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Joseph's life was like a sponge. And if any time you fill the sponge with water, what happens when you add pressure is what? What's in the sponge comes out. And so God started to allow pressure to enter to the life of Joseph through temptation. And what came out of Joseph's life was a character that brought glory to God. God was pleased with how he responded to temptation. My question to us today is, how are we responding when the pressures of life bring out the things in, in our hearts? Some of us, we think we're like the best people until God allows pressure to reveal all the junk in our hearts that he's trying to deal with. And temptation was a means for God to test the quality of Joseph's character. Joseph's character and faith was tested because of temptation. Here's a couple of things I want to talk about temptation. This wasn't just a one-time thing. Every day, 
uh, Potiphar's wife was just hounding him. And it's easy to say no to temptation once. Can we continue to say no when it's consistent in our lives? Temptation is always going to hit us. Can we continue to be faithful to God in the midst of temptation? So here's the definition of temptation. It's anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. Temptation is anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. All of us will face temptations. And here's the thing about temptations too. What you're tempted with might not be what I am tempted with, but we're all going to face temptations. Uh, temptations to maybe lie, temptations to uh, fool around and do things that doesn't reflect the nature and character of God. Temptation itself isn't sin, but how we respond to temptation will lead, determine if what we do is sinful or not. So I'm going to give us three keys from the life of Joseph on how he overcame temptation. The first thing is this. We need to watch our environments. We need to be mindful of the environments that we're in. Verse 10 says this, and though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her. He said, no, here's the kicker, or even be with her. He didn't even want to be in the same environment at her, as her because he knew that sin a lot of times has to deal with the environment that we're in. And for us, a lot of the temptations that we find ourselves in can be directly related to the environment that we're in. The people that we hang out with, the places that we hang out with people can really determine temptation. So we can resist a lot of temptations by just avoiding certain people and avoiding certain environments. If you struggle with alcohol, I don't think the bar is the best place for you to hang out. Isn't that just wisdom? Like if you're struggling with a certain area, it might be best to avoid the areas where that struggle is lived out. If you're struggling with pornography, maybe it's time to put some filters on your phone or your internet. We need to be wise and watch the environments that we're in. Joseph didn't even want to be in the same room as her because he knew the environment wasn't right for God. So he avoided that. Second thing we need to do is not only watch the environment, we need to minimize the benefits and maximize the consequences. Joseph minimized the benefits. He says, I already have a lot. My master has given me everything that I want. The only thing that he hasn't given to me is you, and I don't even want you. That's what he's saying. So he was minimizing the benefits because he knew that first and foremost, the consequence would be dishonoring God. And anytime we give in to temptation and sin, the first person that we hurt is our relationship with God. The people that we sin against are recipients of that, but the first person that we offend is God with our lives. And so Joseph said, beyond you, I don't want to do this because I don't want to dishonor my God. He minimized the benefits and maximized the consequences. Too often when we're in temptations, we start to think about the benefits. We make that bigger. We start to think about the moment of pleasure that we will have, the escape that we would have, the rush that we will feel in that moment of temptation. And instead of doing that, we need to minimize those things and maximize the consequences. Meaning this, we got to think, if I do this, I will not only hurt my relationship with God, but I will hurt my family. I will hurt my spouse. A lot of times sin, especially in the household, you know who are the victims of that? The kids. The kids are the recipient of some of our poor decisions that doesn't honor God. And so we need to think about that. I'm ultimately hurting my family with this. 
some of the consequences we also have to think through is this. If I do this, I could not only lose my job, I could possibly go to prison. Playing out those certain scenarios when you're at work tempted to maybe lie or cheat or do things under the table, we need to maximize the consequences of what that temptation could bring. So we need to be wise, minimizing the benefits and maximizing the consequences. And here's the third thing that Joseph did when faced with temptation, specifically sexual temptation. Third thing is simple. He run, ran, past tense. <laughs> and when we're faced with temptation, we got to run too. I like this. The, verse 12 says this. He left his cloak in her hand and ran out the house. He basically ran away naked. He didn't care. He would rather be naked and honoring to God than staying that, in that situation and doing something that would dishonor God. And there are certain situations and temptations that you're going to face that the best outcome is not to try to fight temptation. The best outcome is to flee temptation. You just got to get out of there. Get out of that room. Get out of that relationship. Get out of that environment. We need to run instead of trying to overcome it with our own strength. We need to get out of specific situations in our lives. No explanation needed. We don't need to make explanations for something because ultimately we want to honor God with our lives. And so here's the truth. Every temptation is an invitation to depend on Christ. Every temptation that you and I face is an opportunity for us to depend on God's strength because we can't do it on our own. We need his presence and power to overcome temptations in our lives. But why would God allow temptations and testings and trials for us to face? First Peter one says this, in all this you greatly rejoice, though for now, although now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even through, or even though uh, refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So God desires that our faith is genuine. And in order for our faith to be genuine and our character to be developed, he got to allow testings to happen. The testings in life bring out the, ju the junk in our heart so that God can clear, clear that out. So that you and I can be men and women that reflect him in everything that we do. And here's the truth about testing is this. A faith that is tested is a faith that can be trusted. A faith that is tested is a faith that can be trusted. God wants to trust us with more responsibility, more influence. Uh, more provision and so forth, but we need to pass the test so that the genuineness of our character can bring glory to God. So God has a dream for all of our lives, but he wants to make sure that our character lines up with the dream that he has for us. And he allows testing to be a means to bring out the things in our hearts that we don't necessarily like. But he does that to prune us so that we can be a better reflection of him in everything that we do. So maybe right now you're in a season of testing. Keep on trusting God and keep on being faithful. Say no to temptation and say yes to obedience to Christ. Third point we see there in the story of Joseph is this. Faithfulness is essential to character regardless of the cost. So here's what happens. Joseph honors God, runs away from temptation, but Potiphar's wife develops a lie, tells a bad story, basically accusing him of rape. And then Potiphar gets enraged and they throw Joseph into prison for doing the right thing. How many of us would be sad when you do the right thing and you get punished for doing that? That's exactly the situation that Joseph found himself in. He was obedient to resist temptation and the result 
or the reward that he got was getting thrown into prison for doing the right thing. Verse 39, uh, Genesis 39, 19 and 20 says this. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. How many of us know it's easy to be faithful when you get rewarded for your faithfulness? Can we continue to be faithful even if the response or the reward that we get is more, quote-unquote, punishment? It's easy to be faithful when we get rewarded for that, but can we continue to be, we remain faithful to God even if things don't go as expected? Here's the reality that many of us are living in right now, and this is not condemnation by any means. But most people are only faithful out of convenience. We're not faithful because of conviction. Meaning this, as soon as things get hard, our faithfulness goes out the window. When life gets difficult, many of us, we put God on the back burner or we start doing our own thing. Even with successes, sometimes we put God on the side because we were only faithful when it was convenient. But can we be faithful when it's not convenient? Can we be faithful to choose to honor God even when the NFL season starts? Can we continue to honor God and be in the house when you want to watch a Super Bowl team? Uh, everybody right now wants to be a manager of a football team that they don't even know. You know what I'm saying? That's what people are doing right now with their fantasy football teams. Can we continue to be faithful to God in times and seasons where it's not convenient for us? The thing I love about Jesus is Jesus was faithful even to the cross where he had to die for our sins. It wasn't convenient for him to be there, but he, he stayed there because he had a conviction that through the cross and through his obedience, that we would have a reconnection back to God. And so for our faithfulness, can we continue to be faithful even if other people aren't happy for us? How many of us know that being a Christian nowadays is not the popular thing to do? To have biblical morals and stand for that? How many of us know it's not like everybody's going to applaud you for standing up for what is right? We're living in a time where we're not home team anymore. We used to be the home team back in the 80s, but now being a Christian, we're a visiting team in the society and the culture that we're living in, but we serve a faithful God. Coach Joseph Kennedy uh, was able to continue to be faithful to God even in difficult situations. And I don't know if you heard about him, but uh, uh, his case has been in the news re recently. And here's what happened. After every football game, he would offer prayers at midfield because he was a coach for a football team. He would never ask anyone or pressure anyone to pray with him, but prayer players and coaches would gather together and they would pray for about maybe a minute or so. After every game, he got the idea from the movie Facing the Giants, which is what they would do in the movie. And he did this for about eight years. And then a person from a, a team that they were facing saw what happened and raised the complaint, raised the flag about what he saw. And so because he was a coach at a public high school in liberal Seattle, he was ordered to stop praying. He was also told that he could not even bow his head or do anything that would give the impression that he was praying to God. Now, he had a conviction about this. This is what he did as a sign of his own faith. And he was being told not to live out his faith in what he did. And so here's what he did. He decided to stand for what he truly believed. Uh, and here's what he said. Clearly, they didn't want me to pray, and it made me bristle. As a Marine, I fought for our freedoms, including the First Amendment. I fought for us to have that right. And so because he refused to comply... But what they said, he was placed on administrative leave and was eventually let go from his job in 2015. So he got released from his job for doing what he felt like was the right thing to do. 
And so he decided to pursue legal action, and this case was in courts for about four years. How many of us know four years is a long time? Joseph was in a season for about 13 years dealing with what he needed to do. He was in a season for four years dealing with this situation, and the case made its way all the way to the Supreme Court, and they ruled in favor of Coach Joseph Kennedy, uh, known as the praying coach, back in June of this year. Here's what he said after the win. Hopefully everybody... Everybody's religious rights will now be respected. I don't think anyone, regardless of their religion, should fear praying in public. The First Amendment doesn't only apply to some Americans. It applies to all of us. He was standing firm on his faith regardless of the cost. It costed him his job, but he was still wanting to be obedient, and he fought for that. Can we continue to be obedient in areas of our lives where we, we might not be rewarded for? Maybe we'll face persecution and opposition for that. Can we continue to honor God, trusting that as we stand for faith, he will fight for us in our lives? God showed up for Joseph Kennedy, and he wants to show up for us as we fight for him in our lives. Last point in our notes, and here's the entire takeaway from this message today is this. Faithfulness invites God's favor in our lives. Faithfulness invites God's favor in our lives. Uh, verses 20 to 23 says this, but while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. We saw this phrase earlier when he was sold into slavery. We see this uh, phrase again, the Lord was with him. And here's what the Lord did. He showed him his kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden so that the warden put Joseph in charge of all those he held in prison and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. A lie got, a lie got Joseph into pr prison but God knew the truth and because he was faithful in a difficult season, God rewarded him with his favor opening up opportunities and situations that only God can bring in his life. And as we are faithful to God, he works his favor in every area of our lives. Second Chronicles 16.9 says this, For the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth. He's looking and he's trying to do this so that he may strongly support those who heart, whose heart is completely his. God is looking for faithful people who would stand for him even when it's not convenient. Even when it's difficult, can we continue to trust God with our lives? Today marks the 21st anniversary of the attacks on 9-11. And Will Jimeno was one of two survivors who was uh, dug out of the rubble of the two buildings that eventually collapsed. Uh, and he had an encounter with Jesus in the midst of this difficult situation. And he also shares on screen his, his experience that we can apply to our lives as well. So take a look on screen. September 11th is a day of prayer across the country and for many survivors, a time to remember the miracles they say saved their lives. Catholic first responder Will Hemino says a vision of Christ kept him alive while he was trapped underneath the rubble of the fallen Twin Towers. His story is portrayed in the 2006 film World Trade Center. Will Hemino is an author and retired Port Authority police officer. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, we're really grateful. Um, as you know, as a nation, we are all really impacted by what happened on September 11th. But for you, it was really much more personal. I know you were actually trapped underneath the rubble of the World Trade Centers for 13 hours. Can you tell us what that day was like for you? You know, what was going through your mind? Uh, for the next several hours, uh, I cannot explain to everybody how 
horrific it was. It was pretty much hell. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we kept fighting for our lives, kept fighting for our lives. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, after being crushed, losing teammates, actually being burnt from fire that came in, later a pistol went off because Dominic in his last moments uh, pulled out his sidearm and shot around up into a hole as a last effort for someone to hear us. When he passed, the weapon was on the ground, and I guess the fire lit it off, and I had 15 rounds shoot over my head. Um, there was a point that night, and I, this is what I tell everybody, is that at that moment, I wanted to die. I wanted to give up. And I came as an immigrant from Colombia, South America, the United States. Uh, I'm Catholic. Uh, uh, my, my parents raised me to believe in God and have faith, most of all. Those three words, faith, hope, and love. And uh, at the moment that I wanted to die, I had made my peace with God. I said, God, thank you for 33 great years. Thank you for six years with my beautiful wife, Allison. You know, four years with my little girl, Olivia. I said, God, the only thing I'm hurting today is that if I die, I die doing the right thing as a police officer, but I'm not going to get to see my little girl be born. When I get to heaven, I said, uh, I'm going to ask you for two things. One, somehow, some way, let me see my daughter be born. And second, uh, it's just water. God, please, I'm so thirsty because I had become part of the building. I closed my eyes and I was going to give up. I was going to die. And as I closed my eyes, uh, you can call it whatever you want. I call it, you know, a vision. And I see a person walking toward me with a white glowing robe, no face, brown hair to his shoulders. Over his left shoulder in the distance was a tranquil lake with trees around it. Over his right shoulder, tall endless sea of grass. And he's coming toward me. And in my heart, I know it's Jesus. And what does he have in his hand? And I tell people you can laugh, but he had a bottle of water. And I snapped out of that vision, that dream, whatever you want to call it, knowing that Jesus was telling me to fight. And at that point, I woke up. I said to my sergeant, we because we were the only two to survive from underneath the World Trade Center and we're buried between both towers. I said, Sarge, if we're going to die, we're going to die trying. Because I realized if I had given up, I would have given up on my family. I would give up my sergeant because I was closer to this hole where I could yell. I would have given up on my country. Most of all, I would have given up on myself and God because God has blessed me with this life and you just can't give it up. And he was able to, in a difficult season and situation, call out to God who met him in that moment. And uh, maybe you're here this morning and you feel like you're buried under just the trials and situations of life. Maybe you feel overwhelmed with what current situation that you're in. You feel like it's just one trial after another and you're tempted to throw in the towel. My encouragement to you is this, that God wants to meet you right there. In the same way that he met Will Jimeno in that vision, God wants to give you a vision to keep on trusting him. Because we serve a God that when we are faithless, he remains faithful. And his faith wants to give us the grace and the strength that whatever we need to face whatever we're in, God wants to give you that. And it comes as we surrender our hearts to him. And so my encouragement to you and for you this morning is this. Don't throw in the towel. Keep on standing for God. Keep on trusting him. Regardless of what you see with your own eyes, you know that God is behind the scenes working out his preferred future for us. Oftentimes allowing the junk in our hearts to come to the surface so that we can be a men and women that brings him glory with our lives. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for all that you're doing. God, we pray that you would help us, God, in moments of our weakness to trust you. God, where we fall short, we thank you, Lord, that your grace is sufficient. Lord, in areas where maybe we haven't overcame and maybe we've given into temptation, God, we pray that you give us the strength, God, to, to get back up 
and to keep on trusting you, doing the right thing because we know that it honors and pleases you. So God, we rely on your strength, not our own. God, character development is what you do best. We just want to be obedient and allow you to do what you do, changing us from the inside out. We don't want to resist that, God. We want to embrace that so that we can be a men and women that brings you glory. We worship you today. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Can we all stand? We're going to worship this morning. The team is going to lead us into this song. And I like the whole theme of this song. It's declaring that God is a firm foundation. That when the winds and the waves of life hit us, that if our lives are rooted in faith and firmly established on who he is, we can endure anything that life throws at us because God is strong in us. So let's sing this morning this song and declare his faithfulness that he is a firm foundation for us. <laughs>